Well, hello there again to another episode of Culture and Cafecito. This is episode 13, Culture, Caring, and Courageous Conversations. On today's episode, I chat with Tiffany Castaño, Chief Executive Officer of Cultivating the Evolution of Professional HR. Tiffany is a transformative HR curator of culture. She supports small and medium businesses and founders in building infrastructures to scale, strengthening employer brands, engaging teams, and cultures where people want to stay. Tiffany has a wealth of knowledge in the HR space and brings a ton of perspective on how to make work cultures more inclusive, collaborative, and deliberate based on her personal and professional experience. On this episode, we talk about what contributes to toxic work cultures and how leaders can create simple yet powerful structures to have more authentic and courageous conversations that foster more caring and conscientious work cultures. Let's get started. All right. Um, Hi, Tiffany. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me for another um, episode of the Culture and Cafecito podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. How's it going today? It's going well. Thank you for having me, Natalia. I'm really excited for our conversation. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, um, just to get started, I wanted to share a little bit uh, about Culture and Cafecito and why I'm so excited to have you here today um, to talk about all things culture. Um, So for your audience, um, if you don't know, um, Culture and Cafecito is really an initiative that started kind of in the midst of the pandemic um, in an attempt to bring together experts, leaders, um, and really people from all industries to talk about what culture means and how we can arrive at co-creating it, right? Because culture at the end of the day is a co-creation. Um, and so um, the podcast really brings you know people on to talk about culture and um, so we can start to think about culture in, in its different perspectives. Uh, so I'm really excited that you're here uh, because I know you have a wealth of knowledge in this area, specifically in um, you know, uh, culture and also human resources. And I'm sure you'll share more of your experience. Um, what prompted the cafecito actually was um, I'm Colombian American and I actually would have these amazing cafecitos with my grandpa. <laughs> um, they're literally just like you know small coffee times where we would talk about really important like in-depth things, things that we that matter to us, things that we connected with, the people in our lives. And it was really an approach um, and a way that I connected, right? So um, also the cafecito really just seeks to connect uh, with people like yourself um, so that we can bring different perspectives um, and allow other leaders to also align with them. So thank you for joining me. <laughs> thank you for that beautiful share. What a beautiful uh, genesis of this, these cafecitos. Thank you. And also, um, I'll share a little bit about me. So uh, for your audience to know, my name is Natalia Montoya Casanova, and I am many things, but today I am your culture coach and consultant. Um, um, I like to say more that I'm, I'm a champion of culture, um, because ultimately, you know, the work of culture is really expansive, and it's not something that I can teach <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, I'm simply a champion of culture, um, because I'm, I'm always in a space to connect, uh, whether it's people, ideas, things, together um, and really being able to take broad concepts like culture and kind of give them more structure to it. So um, what I do is I provide a one-on-one coaching to young professionals like myself who are navigating, you know, different corporate structures or corporate cultures. Um, and um, previously also worked with um, different um, small companies to provide them uh, workshops on culture. Um, but that's about me. I'd love to hear more about you. So if you could just share, um, yeah, if you could just tell everybody who you are and where you're from and what you do. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I've just, I've enjoyed getting to know you and building a friendship and a professional relationship. So thanks again for the opportunity to chat in this coffee still. So I'm Tiffany Castaño. I am CEO and founder of Sefer LLC, and that is an HR consultancy based in Pittsburgh. So that's where I am now. However, I've only been here for a few years. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, lived there my whole life. Well, Sands a few years when we lived in Texas, when I think I was like three to six years old, and my mom couldn't take the heat and bugs anymore. So back to Milwaukee, but um, Milwaukee is home. It'll be nice to get back there this summer. So my HR consultancy focuses a lot on culture, which is why we're aligned here today. And my goal, my why is to remove toxic workplaces because of the fact that I have worked in some, because I haven't always felt like my voice was celebrated and elevated in these organizations. And really, I really enjoyed being an HR department of one, soaking it all in, getting that knowledge from the early days of my career, from moving to an assistant, to a generalist, to a business partner, to a, into leadership. And so working for small organizations, nonprofit organizations really was kind of always where my heart was, even though I've worked for corporate America as well. So it's been just a blessing. And I knew that when I launched this business, my pandemic project, as someone called it recently in May of 2020, that I wanted to support our small to medium enterprises because they don't often have the resources. They don't know where to turn or where they should even start. And that's fairly common across my clients. So I support new founders even as thought partners. So anyone is a match for me if they are zero to a thousand and we kind of go through our discovery process and discover they want to build strong teams and cultures. And we do a lot of strategic planning as well. So it's a lot of fun and I'm enjoying the journey. Wow. Oh my goodness. Quite a pandemic project. Yes. <laughs> You're like, I love it. I do. Wow. I mean, but it takes definitely a, like a lot of grit and perseverance and also um, your experience probably led you to where you are now, right? So you're able to take this, not like take all the knowledge you've gleaned and be able to support small businesses. So I think it's huge that you're supporting small businesses. I, you know, as I'm, as you were saying that I was thinking, oh, wow. Yeah. Like I, I think I'm on the board for a small, um, NGO that does um, the helps house homeless Latino women in the DC area and I'm like wow they really could use support um, in the space that you're you know you're working in because they're also navigating so that's what just came to mind but I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about like what led you I know you spoke a little bit into um, into it but um, you said you know being part of um, toxic work cultures where your voice wasn't heard um, would you be open to just sharing like what that experience was like or kind of what led you down this path? Because I think I've also had experiences. I'd love to hear about yours. Yeah. So it's sometimes it was just a matter of, and I shouldn't say just because I don't want to minimize the impact that it still had, but it was a matter of maybe the role that I was sold, right? What didn't match the realistic preview of coming into that role and into that organization, into the team. And thankfully I've been able to build some really strong relationships. That is one of my top strengths besides positivity. And so I was able to navigate that, still serve my stakeholders, even though the role might not have been good. Sometimes the manager was not effective at leading or they just weren't very present in the process. And sometimes you just had people who just flat out did 
the wrong thing for the business, for the team. And so I found myself on both sides of kind of that struggle where I haven't always supported the decisions an organization has made because I'm huge on doing the right thing at the end of the day. If it's a tough conversation, let's have it. We we need to build these teams and people need to come to work and know that it's okay to have to share an idea. I've had times where I have shut down or where I felt very afraid to share because I have been penalized for, for sharing that and, and sharing bold views across that, that maybe differ from what the organization or that particular manager wanted. But for me, I always love to celebrate and elevate myself, but also advocate for other people and make sure that people can come to work and that they are okay and that they feel okay to manage up and be able to influence because particularly in the HR space, what happens is if you don't allow people to have that, you don't empower them, which is one of the things I love doing with my clients. If you don't empower them, you don't give them autonomy and authority to do certain things, they're not going to be able to influence the business. And then HR doesn't evolve. And then it's seen as tactical. And I've seen that throughout my years as well, or we're trying to balance the strategic and the tactical. And it just, it's like oil and water. It doesn't work very well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. hundred percent. Oh, I'm just sitting with everything that you said to me. And one, one of the things that um, you said that resonated is I, um, as I was thinking is I recently did um, this um, training on navigating change through the Rockwood Institute. And they were talking about um, um, sorry, the training focused on navigating change, but we were actually talking about the amygdala and how a lot of our flight and fight responses, right, are triggered by the amygdala or they, they kind of start with the amygdala, which is part of our brain that um, kind of perceives threat. And that nowadays the threats are no longer like external or real, right? They're more social linguistic threats, mm-hmm. um, which is like how we experience threats nowadays in the work culture. And so when you were saying that, I'm like, wow, like it's so real because I think most people are not privy to the fact that like you experience work, a toxic work culture. And it's really because of the interactions and, or the things that are being said or not said in the, in the space. Yeah. Or not said. I love that. <laughs> I, I love, actually I'm working on a training for a client that I'm delivering on Wednesday and we're going to talk about difficult conversations and coaching and what does that look like? And part of the conversation will be about, we can't just, I like to talk about chucking elephants out of the room. And so, so many times we do more harm than good because we want to do, we want to be nice and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. And we don't want them to think we're a bad person or a bad boss because we have to deliver a tough message, but you could do more harm than good. And there's more risk to the organization by not having the conversation. If you have a low performer and you're not giving them that feedback, that's part of our job as leaders to give that feedback and help them along on their journey. And if you allow them to just do that, they're going to think, assuming they're they're doing it intentionally. I, I can just coast. They don't care. Like I can just keep underperforming and it's no big deal. Well, what happens to the rest of the employees and the culture, the morale, all of those things, the leader stress, stressed out, they're working on all these things. When, instead of setting vision, it's a problem. So we have to get those things out. But yes, love that you said what doesn't get said. And then there's a gossip group <laughs> that got so too, and, and things that you can just like feel in a culture, right? Like what's not being said, but you know, it's there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, ultimately our bodies give us so much information, or even if like how you perceive your intuition is already yeah. itself, but yeah. um, something that you said, wow, 
I'd be like, I just blinked out, maybe. Um, what happens to be all the time, <laughs> like daily. Um, I think, so can you just repeat the last part? So it's what resonated for you is what's also not being said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I um, oh, with the example that you gave, what I was thinking is like, um, I, whenever I go into a new job, I've always been, uh, you know, the first thing I say to my manager or my supervisor is like, look, if you have any feedback for me, please tell it to me right away, right? Because I've been part of toxic work cultures where I got the feedback three months or four months out and it landed like a bucket of cold water. Yeah. And so um, that was just like, as you were saying that, I'm like, oh my goodness, 100%, like I've experienced that. Um, and we could definitely avoid um, avoid that, right? By just putting um, the conversations out there. Um, and um, I, I'm curious to know what you think about um, opening up the space for um, courageous or uncomfortable conversations, right? Um, I think um, in the spaces where I've been, where they're doing this right, they literally and intentionally said, hey guys, what is not being said here? Is there something that, you know, you want to bring forth that you are uncomfortable with speaking into? Like, let's talk about it. Is that the only and best way to do that? Or is there other approaches, would you say? That's a great question, or what I like to call a powerful question. (laughs) Um, And I, that's, that's a great way. I absolutely support that, that approach. I also think sometimes we overcomplicate it and, and that's what kind of grips us in fear. And this is part of the conversation that I'll be having uh, this week, this coming week too. But people, people often think, well, they either don't know how to start it. And the way you described is a great way to start. But I think that if you're, if you even just set time on your agenda, take five minutes. It doesn't have to be a huge amount of time. Just check in with people, like check in with them on your one-on-ones as you're given that feedback that we're, we're suggesting that you give on a regular basis as um, you're having events. And you talked about intuition and I'm very energy focused. So bringing that into, we can't ignore our intuition, but at the same time, we can't just make you know, decisions based on our gut. We have to use facts-based decision-making as well. I think that part of what happens is people are like, oh, it's going to cost too much money. It's going to take too much time. But you just, it's one of those things where you just have to do it. You have to figure out a way. And, and I say bring in your uniqueness and it doesn't have to be something where it has to be disingenuous to who you are. I'm very bubbly and sparky and, you know, I'm going to bring all that energy when I, when I say it and I'm just going to come out and say it, but in my Tiffany way, where someone else might be more direct and they might have to work a little bit more on um, how they deliver that message, but we can still have these conversations and you can pull in your HR person or your leader, writing out talking points is a great way to kind of get that out. And so that you know, like, how is this gonna sound to the other person or at least what your intent was? Um, Because of course there's intent versus impact. And so I think just getting it out there is a wonderful way. Having these types of conversations is, is great. And And so there's a lot going on in the world right now with the pandemic, with all the injustices. Uh, We just had a very tense election here in the U.S. Just so much is going on that we do our employees and our cultures a disservice if we don't just say, how are you doing? Just ask people how they're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, We should be doing that on a regular basis. So we don't have to overcomplicate it. Right, right, right. Wow. It's so it's much simpler. You're right. So sometimes like we can overcomplicate it, but one of the, what you're saying is that 
if I can re uh, reiterate it back to you is ultimately it doesn't have to be a complicated or scary process. It could just mean checking in. And that okay. ultimately that is just a form of also probably even bringing like inclusivity and thoughtfulness to how you're interacting with people. And, and, um, and wow. Okay. I didn't think of that. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so simple and I'm like, of course. And the other thing is um, curious questions are really great to just, you know, when you're talking about coaching, so there's a time for feedback and being direct about things. And then there's a time for coaching questions. And you know, being a coach that <laughs> how this works, but you definitely want to be able to ask questions. So you don't put people on the defense, especially if you're going to move into a difficult conversation. So asking people, and I don't even love the question of why, because that can put people on the defense. So usually it's like who, what, when, where, right? Um, how? Um, I, I don't usually ask why in that because it's, and that has its place too, but that can put people on the defense because it sounds like you've already made a judgment about why they did something or that they did it in the first place. So um, I like the curious questions approach as well. When you're, you're seeking to understand, right? It's, it's not going to be comfortable, but you're making it as you want to understand. You're assuming positive intent. Oh, wow. Do you have any examples of that? I don't know if you would off the top of your head. If you don't, it's all right. Yeah, so I had a really tough situation when I was an HR business partner, and I had to talk to an executive about uh, kind of some rumors that had gone on that, you know, maybe he was having an inappropriate relationship with a direct report, and that was not a good conversation. So, of course, I had to do my own self-coaching, like, and we had a great relationship, so I thought, how am I going to approach this so that I don't put them on the defense. I wrote out my own talking points so that I could have the conversation. I ran it past my manager. She gave me a couple of other suggestions and we were able to kind of be thought partners together. And that's another thing I think together is better. It's, there's no point to trying to struggle and do things alone. You can bring somebody else in. Dif diversity of perspectives is going to suit you well too. And so I was able to have that conversation, ask him questions, share the background of, of what I knew and, and shared with him, this has been brought to my attention. I want to allow you an opportunity to be able to respond to it, right? Because now I'm letting him know right up front that I've not made any judgments. I'm not saying you're this terrible person. I'm not saying this happened or didn't. And I came right out and said that, right? We have to sometimes have that direct approach and say, this meeting is not to say that this even occurred. I'm not accusing you of anything. Here's what my role is. Here's what I'm looking for for you. So you set the tone, you set those expectations right up front and you just allow it to be a conversation like a cafecito. Maybe that was a little, a little bit more intense than that, right? But allow it to be a free-flowing conversation. So the environment that you create, if you create it safely, that can make a huge difference in, in the outcome of the conversation and the impact and how your message lands with people. Wow. Okay. That's really important. Actually, as you're speaking into this, I'm thinking already of a conversation I can have um, very recently, actually, which is kind of crazy um, because, you know, we've been through a lot, as you mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. I experienced it was very subtle. Like, let me explain to you how it went. <laughs> it was, we were in a group format and then someone made a comment that was in my perception, something kind of like racially ambiguous. Like I was like, I think you should have said that, you know? And everyone just kind of laughed and giggled because everyone was uncomfortable by it, but we didn't know how to like say, like 
address it, you know? And I, you know, as I'm, as you're speaking, I'm like, man, how, like when you're the person that's directly affected, I'm like, how do you deal with it then? But then when you are observing it, how do you, how do you address it? Right. So I've been sitting with it. Cause I'm like, Hmm, how I, at that point I was too uncomfortable to even like react right away to be like, Oh, let's stop here. This is not cool. Mm-hmm. More like after the fact, I had a reflection on it. Yeah. And so, um, and so my approach as you're, as you're telling me this, I'm like, wow, approaching it from a space of cure, like asking questions as to whether like how that person uh, meant to say that or, mm-hmm. or, or where that came from or like, um, and then landing how I perceived it is much more open than, than saying like, I think that was like, not, not right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, what you just mentioned really gives me a, like a solid basis for how I can even begin to approach that situation because it made me uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I'm, gl- I'm glad that it was helpful. And I do think to your point just now that there, there is a time and place for being more direct with that too. And if it's something super egregious or there's people are tossing slurs around that are very blatant or there's sexual harassment or something like that, there are times when it's like, uh-uh, no, not cool. Time out. We're going to stop this right now. And you want to, you bet we all benefit from being very direct. Um, but these things do make people uncomfortable, no matter, you know, sometimes we all have a different level, right? A different threshold of what makes us uncomfortable and what we can tolerate and will tolerate. And so if you're, you might be uncomfortable and you might have to sit back and reflect. And that can be a good thing too. I love that approach. I am that way too. Like, whoa, what just happened here? Let me process. Let me make sure that I don't just make a snap judgment. Or if I'm feeling very emotional, how am I going to have this conversation? There is absolutely a benefit to sitting back, reflecting and planning how that conversation is going to go, at least from your perspective, um, so that you make sure that it does land okay. Um, because sometimes people didn't intend it the way it, it might still be not okay. And that intent, that impact was still there, but the intent maybe wasn't there. So that's why I say assume positive intent and those questions will really help. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with me, that story. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm always pulling from my own experience just to share, I'm putting it on the court always. That's so important. Um, so um, in the space of like culture work and how you work with um, companies, would you be able to just share a little bit more of like how you engage with clients and or what are the, the type of challenges or trends that you're seeing now take hold um, as we're kind of entering this like post-pandemic life? Um, and, and do you have any recommendations for leaders as they are thinking about um, inclusiveness or just thinking about how they can bring their colleagues, like their you know, know, their teams together um, in new hybrid forms too. Yes, yes. I think that, you know, for me, it's, you talked about co-creation just as we started our cafecito and it's really, it's, it's really something that I enjoy doing with my clients and it, it's evolved over the past year even and it's had to, right, because of the pandemic. So my process has fairly uh, stayed the same, but every industry is different because HR is so industry agnostic. That means I get to support all different industries of, um, you know, that zero to a thousand size, but um, they're all different. You know, someone in architecture is not the same as someone in food and beverage is not the same as uh, landscaping is not the same 
same as, um, you know, healthcare or all of the differences that make up their differences. And I love to celebrate the diversity, equity, inclusion within the, even the industries I support. And so I have to know my, my client's business and I have to want to support them and co-create with them so that it is the best outcome. I get to know their culture by being their consultant, but they know it best, right? So if I just sit there like, I am the consultant, I'm going to come in and tell you all the things. Um, when I leave, what happens? And now I'm not setting a good culture and a good tone because I want them set up for success. I want them to understand, to talk to their team. So we are in this space now. I'm starting to move about now and go off site for uh, some client meetings. And it's like, whoa, so I'm adjusting to that. And my clients are adjusting to, to moving back into the world, having their clients, uh, their own clients come back on site, having their employees come back on site. And so there are a couple that are starting to ask that question, like, what should we consider? What do we, what do we do? What recommendations? Um, and I would say that the trend for me, for what I'm seeing with clients is that it, it has been, um, you know, we're all, they were all remote at first. Most of them, there are a couple that that wasn't an option because of their industry and their essential workers. And so it makes sense to try to do hybrid for them. And that's what they've been doing. They've been successful at it. Some clients have found that, um, their teams collaborate more. Some of the silos broke down a bit more in the remote environment itself. Some people have several employees who were onboarded in this, this uh, remote environment. And uh, then some have, you know, kind of this, this mix of people um, and a mixture of people who want to come back to the office and some who are like, I'm good. I want to, <laughs> I'm just gonna, this works better for me at home. And so we have to find the, the balance to that. So a lot of what I've been sharing, what we've been discussing and what I'm seeing them do start to do is stagger and have certain people come on, on different days, making sure that um, depending on what their physical location looks like, can they even accommodate the, you know, this new hybrid staffing or people coming back at all? Because the physical space itself has become um, a bit of a challenge when you think about trying to make sure people are safe. People are trying to navigate, uh, what do I do about like vaccinations? Am I asking, should I ask? Um, and, and if you're a small enough company, a lot of companies know their employees to, to kind of know what that looks like. Um, but it's things like, do they have the right technology and tools? We had to have, some people had to make fairly significant investments to try to get their team to be able to do things remotely. And so now I'm saying, well, does, does this process you have in place through the tools and systems that people have access to or that they've been utilizing, do they still make sense now? Why spend extra money, right? Or, or do you need to even invest further to make sure that if someone's offsite on a day that they can communicate and collaborate with someone who's on site? It's learning how to blend these two worlds. And one of the things that's come up too is like, do you need to have all these meetings? And how does that meeting look? Does it make sense to have people in all one room? Do you need to even do all that? And some clients are evaluating and really seeing the strategy come out and, and people being more deliberate and effective with their times. My meetings myself, <laughs> meeting with people, not just my clients, but others have become more strategic because we now value our time at a different level and we understand the power of what we can do in, in this environment. I think, you know, travel has been a thing for some people, particularly, you know, sales role, for instance, is a high travel role. Typically, I'm seeing some people move back to that and some people found different ways of even doing that and they found that they're even more embedded with their co co uh, clients' cultures. 
by just having set up a different type of customer experience. They know them even better now. And the same with their employees. People are taking the pulse of the organization and, and asking, which I recommend asking people, you know, what do you think? It doesn't mean that you have to implement it. At the end of the day, you're going to do what's best for the organization. Um, but those are, you know, kind of some of those things like how do we work together how do we what lessons have we learned that we can move the business forward and so I'm watching my clients many of them have said wow have we learned some lessons in this past year and they are taking that and running with it and that's how we've become engaged and it's been just a beautiful process and you asked about DEI diversity equity inclusion that has been a huge focus I think a lot of which was driven from our external environment from things like the murder of George Floyd and things of that nature. But there's also been just a renewed focus. Um, not everyone, some people were doing this already. I have clients who have always had this as a value and a commitment. And so we definitely you know, have seen that that's come to the forefront, whether it's a new initiative people are taking on and a new endeavor and a focus, or they've been doing it for a while and they just wanna figure out new ways of doing it in this hybrid environment and being more inclusive. And that's, you know, something I would say budget for it so that it happens, make it a focus. We talked about meetings and ways to approach things earlier. And one of the ways you can do that is to set that time on the agenda, the check-ins and just see how people are doing, but understand that they might say that they're not okay. And you have to be prepared for that too, because you got to let people meet them where they're at and then let their whole self come into the workplace and shine. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's amazing. So those are all overall, all the trends that we're like moving towards. And what I'm hearing when you say that, and this is just my processing, as you're saying is ultimately there's a huge part that's strategy focused because as we're moving into new ways of collaborating, we have to be very intentional and strategic. Mm -hmm. and also, there's also this kind of fluid part of allowing new structures. Um, yeah. to hold, and that ultimately a lot of, um, um, you know, I guess the reason I'm saying that is because um, I think many companies are grappling with this, like, how do we do it right, right? And there's like yes. a right way, right? There's the way that works for them or their small team structure, or maybe it's um, all of their um, decentralized teams have different structures, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, there's no one right way, but I think everyone's fixated right now on like, what is the right way to do it? And back, it's a strategic approach that really requires personalization, if that makes sense. Um, people like you who kind of can come in and really assess what the needs are of an organization to then, um, you know, make recommendations is so essential, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's the part that I love the most. And what's been so exciting for me is that I didn't expect my clients to love it as much as I do. Cause I'm like, eh, you know, I'm the one doing like, you know, the, we're all heavy lifting, right? But then I'm the one who pulls it all together, but they love it. They absolutely love it. And they feel empowered in the process because it is a co-created process. And we, we figure out like, what's under the hood, right? Like what's going on? And that is that is a part of the process always. And then I put it together for them and we do readouts and we do, you know, assess the risks and recommendations and where are the gaps. And we just have so much fun with it. And it's a very unique process that I go through with them and, and they love it and they feel better for it. And they're always telling me the, the impact that it's making. And for me at the end of the day, 
that's just, it enriches me. It fills my cup because I know that by working with the leaders that I'm working with, I'm impacting their teams. And I only work with people who want to do the right thing by their teams. And so I watch, you know, the organization scale and, and the teams grow and how people develop and just the pure investment that my clients put into their teams and cultures and inevitably their employer brand, right? And it's just, it, it it's so rewarding. <laughs> wow. Um, that's, a, that's great. I'm so glad that like, that's how it's like panning out for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So I'm going to move into a few other questions. I wasn't sure if there's anything else you wanted to like, um, you know, state or mention in the space of, um, of any other recommendations you have for leaders. I think what you gave us was like really a lot <laughs> else that you would recommend. I'd say, you know, empathy and vulnerability. And we hear these words, right? A lot. And it's like logical safety and, all those things, but they matter. They're not just fluff words. They're not just like, oh, let's talk about feelings. I had a couple of coworkers and um, I was on a team where I was, you don't always see this, but I was, you know, speaking of DEI, I was the only woman on a team of um, business partners. And so I had male counterparts and they would be like, are you going to talk about your feelings again today? And it was kind of like our, our joke because I would bring them in at times when I would be like, I think you need to practice some empathy and should we be vulnerable here? And, um, and so I would say to leaders, it doesn't always have to be about feelings and it's, you can still do business and meet the person where they're at as a person in life. People first approaches are best. Um, and we just, we don't have to overcomplicate it. Just do the right thing, the human thing. And so that's what, what I would say, uh, kind of to close that piece out. Got it. Thank you. Wow. So Empathy and vulnerability. Got it. It doesn't have to. Yeah. Oof. Good stuff. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to know, um, just um, if I could move into a few other kind of like different qu questions, because I also want to get to know you. Um, and so would you be able to share, um, let's see, um, what are some, like speaking of leaders, like what is, what, what is one, um, um, no, I think we talked about leadership. So what is one quality you admire most in, um, in a leader? But I think when you're speaking about vulnerability and empathy, that would be something that's highly valued, correct? Yeah, definitely. And of course, like integrity, right? Like we have to follow up. I see a lot that even when you look at engagement scores, people I've seen their scores tank because simply, why are we doing this, this, this uh, survey in the first place. No one has followed up with me. My leader told me they were gonna support me on X initiative and they didn't. So do what you say you're gonna do. It will earn you so many points because if you don't, the opposite happens. So that's, that. I would say that one too. Oh, wow, that's a really good one. Actually, I was talking to a friend yesterday about integrity in there, and I was like, what does integrity mean to you? And they're like, it's uh, their definition. I was like, well, I think people confuse integrity with morality. Mm -hmm, definitely. Different, for me it's two different things because morality yeah. is like we always have a way of like um we, we see things in black or white or or good or bad you know there's the dichotomy of how we see things but integrity is just about keeping your word honoring your word and yeah. how ultimately and honoring your word is everything because it shines through in everything you do right if i'm late and i said i was going to be uh, with you at 10 and i'm not there it reflects poorly on me and then it sets the example for others as well so yeah it's, it's everything <laughs> it's your brand it's your leadership brand it's how it reflects on the organization your business unit 
And even back to your clients, I, I've seen situations where people didn't do what they said they do and the client's negatively impacted. Well, what do you think happens to that employer brand and that, that organization's brand, right? You don't want to lose face with your clients. Because So you're saying it can have even bigger impacts that we don't even realize. Yes. With no integrity. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love this conversation. I mean, I, I love thinking about integrity. It's like, whoa. It's everything. Um, yeah. So um, um, I wanted to know is um, what do you find interesting about culture in general? Or like, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of culture? I know we're talking about in the space of HR or, um, but is there anything else that comes to mind for you personally when you think of the word or think of what culture means to you on a personal level? Yeah, to me, it means that it's deliberate. And I describe it that way a lot. And when I say that, there, there are certainly things within culture that can become culture, like toxicity, that maybe weren't deliberate, but they evolve over time. But when you're setting culture, and if you're mirroring it up to your mission, vision, values, how you want to be seen, what you want to be known for, what do you look like? What do you feel like as an organization? It's deliberate. It should be deliberate. And that's the work that I do with my clients. We really, um, they are focused and intentional about how they go about these things because they want a positive experience for their employees. They want a good employee experience from anything from onboarding a team to the way that they offboard someone in the organization and everything that happens in between. So it's definitely deliberate. But, um, you know, you asked to like, uh, something in the beginning and the word that came to me is uh, it's fluid, it's dynamic. It's definitely something that evolves and changes over time. Okay, got it. Thank you. And would you say um, you, you identify with different types of cultures or different cultures? And which ones are they? <laughs> I would say so, yes. Because like, you know, personally to me and professionally, it means being deliberate and I see it as being fluid. And I think cultures, when you talk about people um, and, and their different backgrounds, as well as in an organization, they are going to be fluid and they are going to be different. And so we have to embrace that difference. Difference is not a bad thing. Um, but sometimes we, we don't allow those, that diversity of thought. And it's one of the greatest assets to an organization when you look at diversity. When I said we overcomplicate it, we want to be like, oh, how do I get more women in the organization? How do I get more Latinas? Or, you know, we, we don't we just take it to another level that sometimes you just have to start with the basics and, and move from there. So um, that's kind of what I, how, what I think about that one. Wow. So what you're saying is before implementing something new, you should really just think about what's already like, what's already there, right. That you could, that could be changed or moved or restructured. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I recently did, um, uh, I kind of co-facilitated a, a DEI workshop with uh, an HR colleague. And we talked about, uh, we called it celebrating your current state because we often try to look for what's not there um, and try to bring more in, but 
what about the people who are already there? You likely have some amazing people who are already in your organization and you might be leaving them behind by not just realizing even the different strengths on your team. Who has, who's able to, you know, really rock that Excel <laughs> spreadsheet out and who's able to have a lot of influence and who runs an effective meeting, like pulling all the strengths of your team together serves an organization so well. And sometimes that's just like, oh, we don't have X. Did you, did you really dig and, and look and do you know your team enough to even know this? Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I think when I was, there's someone else I spoke to that was mentioning that a lot of the times it's looking at your current, yeah, what you said, your current team and what is working and or not working about their current structure for you to reassess how things should be readjusted. It's all internal too, or it can be. Um, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to know what are um, some of the, I, would you say are some of the, um, I don't know, like strategies or practices that could foster more collaboration between teammates? I know that we talked about like technology being a thing, but is there anything that you would suggest that could help foster more collaboration with teams or between leaders and their, um, you know, their, um, their teams? It's definitely the openness we've been talking about. So if your employee doesn't trust you or that integrity is not there, you don't do what you say you're going to do. You don't invest in them. You're always moving their one-on-ones. They're going to be like, you don't care about me. You're not invested in me or my growth, my development. And so that we have to create these environments of trust and these little things matter. Checking in with people, not just to be like, Hey, did you get your assignment done? But because you care about me, because you genuinely want to ask how many times do, do we say, uh, when someone asks us how we are and we're like, I'm good, I'm fine. And, and we're not. And we're not honest about that because we either it's just it's become check the box and it's just what we do as humans. And we're like, oh, this is just what we do. Or it's We start a conversation this way or we, there's a fear that what happens if I say I'm not OK, then I'm going to have to let out all these feelings or people are not going to necessarily support me. So why am I going to tell you anyway? So I would say, you know, that. And really, truly leveraging those strengths of your team and knowing who's who's really strong at what, it makes you a stronger team together, but it also allows collaboration, not only within the team, but across the team. So being willing to let somebody have a mentor or to mentor that person, um, knowing the business and the organization and other departments enough to know like how, wh what resources you can pull in. How do you help support and champion that? How do you create kind of these brand ambassadors within the organization? And I've seen that work well for people to be able to boost collaboration too. Certainly the technology always helps, but you, you know, I would say one other thing um, which I've seen when people try to give all the answers for people, you don't allow them to kind of come to their own situation and into their own growth because we have to be able to fail a little bit and to figure it out. I've learned some of my best lessons through failures um, and I'm better for that both personally and professionally. So um, those are definitely some top recommendations I'd have. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll let you drink your coffee because it's coffee seat time. So it is, yes. And I've been doing a lot of talking this week. So <laughs> I'm actually drinking ginger green tea. <laughs> oh, good. I mean, whatever it is, it's still coffee tea time, you know. Yeah, exactly. 
I wanted to know if you had any questions for me or like if there's, as this conversation has kind of flowed, if there's anything else that, you know, has come to mind that, um, or on your heart that you would want to share or even ask me. I mean, so that I give you a little break from talking to you. <laughs> I just think that these conversations are so powerful and they're so necessary. And I think a lot of times because people either don't have the conversation or they fear the conversation they don't ever start it, then we don't get to know each other and we don't get to know each other's hearts. I always talk about my HR heart and it's because I do put that heart and vulnerability, that empathy in there. I'm an empath by nature, um, but we have to continue these kinds of conversations. And I'm really grateful for you for these cafecitos and for your powerful, curious questions, for sharing your stories. And um, I think, you know, one question I, I have is, you know, I know kind of what you've been doing with this, but what's your long-term kind of vision? What do you, I, I know part of what you aspire to receive out of these conversations and to give, but what's, what's long-term? Where would you like it to go? Yeah, that's a really great question. Thank you. Um, well, I think that I started this from, an, from a space of knowing that I don't have all the answers, right? And that ultimately there's so much power in the collective wisdom. Um, and therefore the only way that I could um, become that fully embodied culture coach per se is by really listening first and mm. so that's what kind of like prompted these conversations because there's so many I, I every time I speak to someone I'm left with not in a bad way like I I, I have come with questions but I'm left with more questions which then mm. more conversations yeah um, and so um, my attempt here is also just to gain wisdom from the people that I speak to because I don't have the answers and by hearing people's perspectives, I'm able to uh, contextualize the support that I'm able to give people and in, in the work that I'm currently doing, or even, you know, in the current um, job that I'm at, um, being able to bring different um, approaches to seeing things or even takes of, yeah, different approaches or strategies. Um, I think long-term, um, you know, I as I mentioned, I envision myself as someone that like, if, if they were to say like, oh my gosh, I want to talk, if you want to talk culture, talk to Natalia, <laughs> but yeah. just being able to, um, um, kind of be a resource for, for people in the future. Um, and my vision is to, to ha be that person that like, know that people know that I'm, I can be a clear channel for people to have open conversations mm -hmm. without fear. Um, yeah. and to be trusted with that, it's huge. And so I think that's my vision to be like, you know, I aspire to obviously I have clients in the future, but if there's like, um, a legacy that I would want to leave, it's definitely one of those. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love it. Thank you. I think you're well on your way. <laughs> I absolutely love it. That just like it lit up my HR heart and just my human heart to hear that. And we're aligned that way too. I think, you know, those are definitely things that I want. And um, yeah, I just, I'm really, I'm really encouraged by that. I think that what you're doing is and will make the world a better place. And I love that you aspire to be a safe place for people and that you're, you're having all these conversations and different perspectives in the interest of DEI to show people that there's not one size fits all. We all have different thought patterns, but you, you're using the power of the collective of all these wonderful humans and their knowledge to be able to shine some light on what good culture looks like and, and some shiny mm -hmm. examples. And I love it. Thanks yeah. for having me. 
No problem. My, the honor is mine. I'm learning so much from you. <laughs> so I know we have about five minutes. So I wanted to ask you some fun questions just to close out. And then obviously if people um, give you time to share with the audience how people can connect with you and what type of services you're able to offer them or how they could you know, start working with you. Uh, sound, sound good to you? Sounds great. Thanks. <laughs> so um, these are rapid fire questions and then there's two at the bottom that are more um, in depth. And I, if you like, I don't know if you like Brene Brown and you've talked about vulnerability. I pulled, her, pulled, pulled these from one of her podcasts because I really like her. Um, so some, you might've heard these before is what I'm saying. Um, so these are fill in the blank first. So culture is blank. Fluid. Okay. Um, Communication is hard because blank. It's so varied depending on the person. Okay, um, all right. The quick and dirty trick to collaborating effectively is blank. Ooh, is that good? <laughs> Openness. Okay, got it. Um, let's see, bad, uh, bad culture feels like blank. Yuck. <laughs> okay. Um, it makes me uncomfortable when blank. People don't seek to understand. Oh, okay. Um, effective team building depends on blank. Good leadership. Okay. Sounds great. So um, let's see. And I'll just end this because I always like to like learn a little bit even more about you. So um, what is one childhood memory that has majorly impacted how you move through the world today? I really think I'm a lifelong learner. And so the fact that my mom allowed us and, well, she forced us, let's be honest. <laughs> we didn't always <laughs> like it at first. Like, you want me to spend my summer in the library? But it has served me well. I love to read both professional books and personal books of all types. And it's just served me well, just like as a sponge. And it serves me well as I serve my clients and, and through the unique process we work through, I have to absorb a lot of information to give them the best impact in the approach. And so that's served me well. And, and to the point that when I was 16, I ended up working at the library and it's been to date one of my favorite jobs. Mm, okay. So you're very much soaking up wisdom and knowledge there too. So that's how you definitely move through the world. Yeah. I'm a high achiever. hundred <laughs> percent. Served me well with mom. <laughs> Thank you, mom. Oh my God. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't understand why you did the things, but now I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I tell her all the time. Oh man. Let's see. So this one's from the Dare to Lead podcast. And I just I mentioned that because it's directly from there, but it's what's one thing people often get wrong about you? About me? Yeah. One thing I would say, and I just had this conversation, is that I'm super positive. You can probably tell, we've talked before this even, which is a gift. Um, and so people see me as very bubbly, very positive. And when we talked about those tough conversations, people can often perceive me in a different light or think that I've changed as a person. And I just happen to be on the personal side and the professional side. And it's like, nope, still same person. We just, we have to adjust in business. We have to be nimble and flexible, agile. Um, and so that, that sometimes has come into the picture. <laughs> or they think that I won't have that conversation because, um, because I'm, I'm this way usually, so. That's super powerful. I think I experienced that too, because I'm small, but I'm like, I'm mighty. Just be careful. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Um, 
Thank you so much. So uh, I'll end with just asking you, if you were a type of coffee, what would you be? <laughs> Obviously this is culture and cafecito, so it more like aligns with whether, you know, it's the type of coffee you drink, or if you were to be like, you know, I'm flavorful in this way, this is why I would be this type of coffee. <laughs> well, this is great because I love coffee. Typically, I am drinking coffee, but I've been trying to like help my throat out with the tea. Um, I really I enjoy and I'm not just saying that I enjoy Colombian coffee. Um, I also enjoy um, Costa Rican coffee. I love Jamaican blue coffee. Those are my three favorites. So I just gave you three, but I can't I can't choose. They're all so delicious and I love them equally. <laughs> Good. I'm like, don't let anybody tell you that Colombian is not the best because it is the best. <laughs> I wish I had some now. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so I think we can conclude. Um, if you would, wouldn't mind just sharing like how people can connect with you. Um, yeah, and, and or what you can help them with uh, moving forward. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I'd be glad to do that. I love making new connections. Even if you need a thought partner, it doesn't mean that we have to engage in a service. I do offer one hour complimentary introductory calls. And so that is a great process that people love to do. Um, you can find me on my website at sufferconsulting.com. That's C-E-P-H-R consulting.com. I am very active on LinkedIn and that has all the places to find me, company pages, I have a Facebook page, very easy to find me there. And um, sometimes I'm on Clubhouse as well. So we're figuring out a new cadence for our Let's Talk HR Saturday uh, room that's at 2 p.m. Eastern. And that's really been helpful to help HR folks, but also people who are leaders and want to listen in to be able to do that. And it's, in terms of what I can help with, it's that thought partnership that I talked about, it's strategy, if you need to put your infrastructures in place, because I do work with a lot of lean organizations and startups. So sometimes it's, hey, we don't even have an employee handbook, or we need to build on the kind of skeleton framework that we have. Um, and that's a lot of the work I do to work with people to scale. I help build, um, or not build, but vet software services, but really helping you build those strong teams and cultures, giving you the strong bones of your organization so that you feel confident, so that you're able to have the right tools, systems, processes in place to grow your organization, build your employer brand, and to grow your team. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a look at all your work. Um, I'm look, looking up to you as I continue my work as well. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me once again for the Culture and Cafecito podcast. I hope that you enjoy your coffee and hope that these conversations inspire you to keep connecting authentically. Have a great one and hope to see you soon.